You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. in the house of the Lord this morning and we're thankful for the opportunity to be here and so we're going to watch a, a, a short podcast by Brother Bernard and then we're going to come and minister on that topic uh, after he's done. Welcome to Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, a podcast dedicated to helping modern day believers live out the teachings of the first century church. This podcast is part of the teaching ministry of Dr. David K. Bernard. Dr. Bernard has dedicated his life to studying the Bible and helping believers apply its message to their daily lives. In Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, Dr. Bernard answers your questions about what the Bible teaches and how those teachings apply to everyday life. Thank you for joining us for this broadcast. In 1 Corinthians 12.30, the Apostle Paul implies that not all believers speak with tongues. If this is true, why does the United Pentecostal Church International teach that full salvation includes Holy Spirit baptism and that everyone who receives this baptism will speak with other tongues? Doesn't the UPCI's position contradict Paul's writings? No, and let's start with the basics. First of all, in the New Testament church, Receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit is considered part of initial salvation, what we might call conversion initiation. Actually, all Christian groups will agree with that in theory. From Catholics or Protestants, all will say that you must receive the Holy Spirit to be truly a Christian. So so that's what we say. The difference is we expect there to be a very definite experience. And we expect an initial sign called speaking in tongues or speaking miraculously in a language we haven't learned by the Spirit. Now, why would we do that? Well, if you look at the very first example of the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which is in Acts chapter 2, it's the birthday of the Christian church. So Jesus told uh, his disciples to wait for this experience. About 120 did so. It wasn't just the 12 apostles, but Mary, the mother of Jesus, his four half-brothers, the women who had faithfully followed him, and others. And so on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2-4, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now notice, there were some other signs, sound of wind, tongues like fire, but those were external signs of the Spirit moving upon people. The first sign that someone was filled was the Spirit inside them speaking out. And this miracle of speaking in tongues attracted a multitude of people, Jewish people from many different nations, 15 were listed, who had come to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost in Jerusalem. And so they began marveling. Some were saying, wait a minute, these are Galilean people. How how can they speak the language of Arabic, my home country, or uh, Latin, or they begin to name other languages. That's impossible. How could this happen? Others didn't understand the tongues and thought they were babbling, and they began mocking. Well, these people must be drunk. So some were marveling because they understood the miracle. Some were mocking because they didn't understand the miracle. But they're all asking the question, what meaneth this? Or what does this mean? So the apostle Peter stood up with the support of all the other apostles, 
and he gave the answer. This is that. So this means tongues. That's the question they were asking about. What does this mean? What meaneth this? He said, this is that. So he said, tongues means that. And then he quoted from the prophecy of Joel. Joel 2, in the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and, and your sons and daughters will prophesy. So he says, this prophetic utterance, this divine utterance that you see, is actually means they've received the Holy Spirit. So in essence, and by the way, this is the only place in the whole Bible where you have all 12 apostles at the same place at the same time preaching the same message, and they end up telling people how to be saved, Acts 2.38. So you have the greatest authority in the, in the whole Bible here, other than Jesus himself, but of course Jesus commissioned the apostles. So actually, this is equivalent to the authority of Jesus himself. He didn't establish any churches. He commissioned the apostles to do it. And this is what they did. So based on their authority, essentially he's saying this tongues means they've received the Holy Spirit. And we find that pattern repeated throughout the book of Acts. The, the story of Cornelius in Acts chapter 2, 10, the Gentiles receiving the Holy Spirit. Uh, the whole household received the Holy Spirit. They all spoke in tongues. Uh, Acts 19, the disciples of John at Ephesus, about 12. They received the Holy Spirit. They all spoke in tongues. So what you have is a pattern repeated throughout the New Testament church. And then you ask, well, of the 120 that received the Holy Spirit, how many spoke in tongues? 100%. 120 of 120. Household of Cornelius, how many received the Holy Spirit? We're not told the number, but it was 100%. Acts 19, how many of the disciples? 12 out of 12, 100%. So there's the pattern. Everyone in the New Testament church who receives the Holy Spirit, the first sign is they speak in tongues. Now, the abiding sign is not tongues, but the fruit of the Spirit, the pursuit of holiness, the Christian life. But the initial sign is what I've just indicated. Now, in, in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, the Apostle Paul gives instructions for the gifts of the Spirit in the operation of the local church. And he talks about vocal gifts. So sometimes people stand up and prophesy. They will give a prophetic utterance to the whole congregation. Everybody's supposed to stop and listen. Sometimes they will stand up at the congregation, speak in tongues to the whole congregation. And so Paul says, when that happens, wait, Pray for an interpretation so that someone, either that same person or another, will stand up and give the interpretation so that all will understand. These are special vocal gifts being used in the congregation. Now, uh, he says, now, in, in the example of uh, a public utterance, a message in tongues, if nobody gives interpretation, then don't keep going on because people won't understand. But you can speak in tongues to yourself and to God. So tongues can be used in your personal prayer life to worship God, or even in the congregation when everybody's praying, you can all pray in tongues individually. But when you're speaking to the whole congregation, then there are certain regulations to follow so everyone listens and everyone understands. In that context, he's speaking of tongues as a public utterance to the congregation, as a special gift. So all Christians speak in tongues, but only a few have that gift. He talks about the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, about faith. Well, all Christians are saved by faith, but there's a special gift of faith for a time of crisis that's not given to everyone. It's only given to certain people as needed. Everyone must have the wisdom of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But there are certain people that have a gift of wisdom for a special situation. 
And so in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul says there's the diff- there are these different gifts. Not everyone is given all of these gifts. One has one, one has another, and I think it's based on need. It's based on occasion. So I might exercise one gift in a certain situation. I might exercise a different gift in another situation. Or I might exercise one gift. You might exercise another. We're not all going to exercise the same gift um, and not all at the same time. So in that context, it's very clear that in their personal life, Christians, when they receive the Holy Ghost, they speak in tongues. And in their prayer life, all can speak in tongues. In fact, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 18, I wish that you all would speak in tongues. But when it comes to public worship, only a few people are going to give a message in tongues. Only a few people are going to receive that gift for that occasion. Just like only a few people are going to have a word of wisdom or uh, a prophecy or the gift of faith for a crisis. Um, So the question becomes, do all speak in tongues? That's in the context of public worship. No. And that accords with reality. If you have a church of 500 people, you'll never have all 500 people, whether at the same time or even over the course of the life of that congregation, you're never going to have 500 people giving public messages in tongues. It's not given to everyone. Now, what's interesting is the people that oppose what I've just stated, most of them do not ever have any tongues at all in their congregations. They never have a public message in tongues. So they don't even understand the context of Paul's discussion because they don't have those kinds of spiritual gifts operating. They never would allow someone to stand up and give a message in tongues, someone else to stand up and interpret. They would never have that. So they don't even understand the context. They first need to understand that context. Then they can understand what he's saying. So do all speak in tongues as a public gift to the whole congregation? No, certainly not. Do all receive, when they receive the Holy Ghost initially, do they speak in tongues as the initial sign? According to the book of Acts, yes. Thank you for joining us for today's broadcast. We hope you'll make plans to join us again next time when once... Amen. So this morning, I just want to focus on the the initial aspect of uh, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost because that is an important part of that's available to everyone that's in this room everybody everybody in this room no one is uh no one is uh no one is excused from it no one is not good enough for it no one has to earn it no none none of those things the power of the holy ghost is available to every person in this room so that's uh what i want to spend a little bit of time just talking to you about in the next few minutes. First of all, I'm going to talk to you about what the Holy Ghost is and then what the Holy Ghost does. Uh, because um, if you're going to receive something into your life, then it's good to know what that is. Um, it's, the Holy Ghost is not, and when I say the Holy Ghost, it's the same words as Holy Spirit, uh, just so that there's an understanding there. Because sometimes people... Um, uh, try to understand or want to understand what, what is it that I'm asking God to put into my life. And so I think it's important to know what the Holy Ghost is. And the Scripture tells us multiple things. Uh, first of all, in Romans chapter uh, 8 and verse 10, And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. 
But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by the spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. So first thing, the Holy Ghost is, it's called the Spirit of Christ. When you receive the Spirit into your life, you're receiving Christ into your life. It's not someone else or some diluted or a watered down. No, no, you are receiving God into your life. It's important to understand that. And uh, we use this scripture that Paul writes a lot of times when we're speaking about funerals and people who have passed and, and if the Spirit of God dwells in you, He's going to quicken your mortal bodies. And that's, that's true. But it's not just for people who have died. When the Spirit of God comes into your life, He quickens your mortal body right now. Your life changes. Let me tell you, when, when you have Jesus come into your life on a daily basis and He takes up resonance in your heart, you will not be the same. You won't be the same. You cannot be the same. The presence of God, I mean, changes. It changes everything about you in the sense that it'll change uh, how you view life. It'll change your attitude. It'll even help you with grumpiness. Your outlook. It'll change your vision of what the world is. I mean, if you look at society and you listen to what's being said, you'll be depressed. But if you view it from the power of His Spirit, you see it as an opportunity. This is an opportunity for God's presence to work through my life in this world. Amen. So it's, first of all, the Spirit of Christ. Um, Paul calls it also a baptism. 1 Corinthians 12 and 13, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. If you go all the way back to the Tower of Babel, there was only one language. And they were, they were using their abilities not beneficially. And the Lord, at that moment, confounded their language. And so many languages were created. And people dispersed because they couldn't communicate. And what they were trying to do for evil was stopped. God's always had a plan to bring us back into one language. Not the natural languages that you speak but rather to baptize you into one language by His Spirit. That is the power of the Holy Ghost. When you receive Jesus in your life through His Spirit, hallelujah, with the initial evidence of speaking in another tongue, He baptizes you into one body by one Spirit. 
beautiful. We can call it, um, we call it the Holy Ghost. We call it the Holy Spirit. We call it a heavenly language. We call it, the idea behind it is you and I, you and I are speaking a language that the enemy does not understand. Never forget that. When you're praying in the spirit, the enemy has no idea what you are saying. Only God who has given you his spirit. You're baptized into one body, no matter what culture you are, by one spirit. Amen. He's speaking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, and he calls it a birth. Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit he cannot enter into the kingdom of god that which is born of the flesh is flesh that which is born of the spirit is spirit marvel not that i sent uh, i said unto thee ye must be born again the wind bloweth where it listeth and thou hearest the sound thereof but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth so is every one that is born of the spirit nicodemus shows up to the lord by night He's been intrigued by the miraculous things that God's been doing. He doesn't come by the day because he doesn't want the rest of the rulers to know he's there. But something has caught his attention. He's watched the miracles. He's watched the, 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 the things that Jesus has done. And he says, I've got I to gotta have a little chat with him. And he shows up and he says, listen, the things you're doing that could not happen unless there's something about you. And Jesus goes into this conversation with him. Nicodemus, ye must be born again. And that, 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 that threw a monkey wrench into it. I think that's a Cushbuckwack term. Nicodemus is like, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus said, no, that's not the type of birth I'm talking about. I'm talking about a birth that's uh, not natural. Uh, you got to be born of water and of spirit. Marvel not, Nicodemus, that I say unto you, you must be born again. Amen. The wind's going to blow where it's going to go, and you're not going to know what it is. And the similar, uh, when it comes to the spirit, there's a, a, a power of his presence, Nicodemus, that's going to flow over your life, and something spectacular is going to happen in your life. And something took place in Nicodemus's life that day, he listened to what the Lord was saying. He even showed up at the cross to be part of the burial. Don't know for sure. He might have been part of the 120. All I know is, Nicodemus was told, you must be born again. You say, well... Got a lot of things in my life, Pastor. Got a lot of things in, in the past. A lot, all those things are in everybody's lives. Everyone's got a past. Everyone's got a story. Everyone's got a history. But what happens is when you are born again, there's a new birth experience that starts in your life. Hallelujah. Old things are passed away. And behold, all things become new. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. When the power of his spirit touches your life. Amen. Mm. 
John calls it living water. John 4, Jesus is speaking to the woman at the well. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water, springing up into everlasting life. John chapter 7, he calls it this. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. This is not a little trickle. This is not a one-time experience. This is not just a feel-good for one moment. No, no, no. Folks, this is a life-change experience. That happens to your life when you're filled with the Spirit. Out of your life flows rivers of living water. You know what that means? When they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, there was an overflowing that happened. When something is absolutely full, and you put one more drop in, it overflows. That's what happens when the Spirit fills your life as a river of living water. You can't go anywhere without the Spirit leaving a residue. Amen. You can walk into a room and not say a word, but because of the power of the Holy Ghost that's in your life, something is recognized that something is different about you. I don't know what it is people say. Sometimes they can't explain it because they haven't experienced it. But when they walk into a situation of a spirit-filled person and a river of living water is flowing. Let me tell you, there's something that takes place because of the power of the Spirit. It's not you or I. It's what you or I have been filled with. You ever walk into a situation and you know something's just not right? How about walking into a situation and you know that something is right? You have people say from time to time, don't know what it is about you. Don't don't know what it is that makes you seem different. Don't know what it is that, that I feel when I'm around you. But there's, I can tell you what it is. It's not how good you smile or how good you smell. There's something about the Spirit that is in your life that radiates out of you because out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just talking to you about what the Holy Ghost is. John chapter 14. Because when I give you all these things of what it is, you'll want to have it. John 14, this is what it says in verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not, he said, leave you comfortless. I will come to you. The Holy Ghost is your comforter. It's not your thick blanket you lay over yourself at night. 
That's a blanket. You can call it a comforter if you like. That's not my comforter. I've got a comforter of the Holy Ghost. No matter what the situation is or the circumstance. Amen. I can go to God who is my comforter. Hallelujah. The power of the Spirit on Monday just like it is on Sunday. The power of the Holy Ghost by myself just like it is with hundreds of people. It makes no difference. He is my comforter yeah I'm talking about the power of the spirit oh you'll want to have it if you don't already got it you'll want to have it if you've already received it you'll want a renewing and refreshing this morning it is called the spirit of adoption Romans chapter 8 for as many as are led by the spirit of God They are the sons of God. That's not just male. That's speaking about humanity. If ye have not received the spirit, for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. That's an intimate relationship with him more than just a dad. He is your Heavenly Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Let me tell you what the Holy Ghost is. It brings you into the family that you become part of the family of God. There is no greater family. There is no more powerful family. There is no other family that you'll want to be part of more than the family of God. I'm thankful for my family. My natural family, I'm thankful for. My parents and my wife and my kids and grandkids, I love them all dearly. But in this room this morning, you are the ones that stick by my side. Hold my hands up in victory. We are in this together. One cord, one One place, one church, one mission. We've been adopted into the most powerful family that you could ever be adopted in. If you're feeling lonely this morning, if your family situations in the natural are not well, I give give you regard today. You can be part of an adopted family of almighty God. Oh. Terrible situations sometimes happen in people's lives and they have bad memories and bad recollections of family situations. But when you're born again, you're born into a new family. You're adopted into a family of God where you have a heavenly father. That you can cry unto, Abba, Father. It's called a seal, the earnest of our inheritance. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 1, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard of the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You realize how incredible that is? When you receive the power of the Holy Ghost, you belong to Him. 
which is the earnest, Paul said, of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. When God filled me with the Holy Ghost, he sealed me. No longer belong to the world. The enemy has no say over my life. Mm -mm. People have no say over my life. The world has no say over my life. Ah, when when I received the Spirit into my life, He sealed me with His promise. That's why someone uh, who has their own choices, everyone still has the power of choice. When God gave me the Holy Ghost, He didn't eradicate sin and take away my choice. So people still have choice, and sometimes people make choices to walk away from God, walk away from church. But let me tell you something about someone who's received the Holy Ghost. They can never really get away. Because he sealed them with his promise. And so there's always an opportunity for just one moment in the presence of God to have a refreshment of the Holy Ghost. He never, ever takes it away. Oh, it may run dry. It may run out. But one moment in the presence of God and that seal of promise is renewed and refreshed in his presence. I'm just talking about what the Holy Ghost is. When I received the Holy Ghost, I didn't even know all of these things. The more I walk with the Lord, the more I learn about the Lord, the more I read His Word, the more powerful I realize what I received. On a Saturday night prayer meeting in 1976, in the month of March, at five years old, God filled me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost for the very first time. It changed my life as a child. And God put his direction and hand upon my life from that day. Not even realizing, understanding what had happened thoroughly. But now I look back and I say, oh, I thank God for a prayer meeting on a Saturday night in Barney Bogue, New Brunswick. Hallelujah. Where God filled me for the first time with the power of the Holy Ghost. And even as a child, he sealed me that moment. I'm going home with Jesus. Hallelujah. Mm. Uh, one last thing that it is. Luke uh, 24, 49, it says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. The Holy Ghost is power from on high. It's Holy Ghost power. It's heavenly power. Power, it's Jesus' power from on high. This is not something you get by an energy drink or your Fruit Loops on for breakfast. No, it's not. It, this is. 
Folks, it doesn't matter what time of the day, where you are in the world, what situation you're in. The power of the Spirit is instantaneously from on high. Listen, when, you, when, when you're doing twirly-whirlies on the middle of the road in front of traffic, you don't have time to call the church for prayer. You don't have time to do that. You only have time for one thing, Jesus. And when you call upon power from on high, let me tell you, instantaneously, hallelujah, it can result in your situation. You don't have time for other stuff. You've got to have power from on high. It's great to have people pray for you. It's great to have a, a, a group of people around that will pray with you. But there's nothing more powerful than having the Holy Ghost yourself. Hallelujah. Where you can call instantaneously on power from on high. Mm. This is what happens when church gets canceled for one service. All rambunctious. That's what the Holy Ghost is. In closing, what does the Holy Ghost do? Because you got to know what it is. That's what it is. Those are things that it is. But what does this what does the word say about what the Holy Ghost does? This is what it does in your life. It brings rest, peace. And joy. Isaiah prophesies about it. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. To whom he said, this is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. Paul writes, and he makes it really plain and simple in Romans 14. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's why everything around you can be as chaotic as you see. But you can have peace and joy Everything around you can be falling apart and the world can be going to hell in a handbasket. But you can still live right. Not because of anything but the power of the Holy Ghost. See, I can't believe what's happening in our schools and in our society and in our government and whatever you want to list. You can't believe it. I can't believe it either. But there's righteousness in the Holy Ghost and the power of His Spirit. What it will do for you is allow you to live right, sleep well, hallelujah, have a smile no matter what's going on. Why is it? That you're so happy. It wasn't because you were born that way. No, you were born again. And because you were born again, the Holy Ghost does something for you. Peace, rest, joy, righteousness. It'll even help you when you pray. 
Romans 8, likewise, the Spirit also helpeth, helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. It'll even help you when you pray. I don't know. I don't even know what to say. I don't know what to pray. I don't know what. You know what? That's okay. That's okay because the Bible says uh, the Spirit will help you uh, in a time of infirmity. Uh, it'll, it'll, it'll come forth with groanings uh, which cannot be uttered. Uh, there will be times when you're praying in the Spirit. Uh, you won't know what else to say. But as you start to pray... And the power of the Holy Ghost. Something can be transformed in those moments. It'll even help you to pray. This is what it does. It gives you power to witness. Acts 1 and 8. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He's given them all the areas that are close by that they have knowledge of. And then he also adds where you've never been. So the Holy Ghost gives me power. To witness and quiz Pam says, St. John, Grand Bay. And the places I haven't been. Let me tell you. Well, I don't know what to say. I'm nervous. That, that, that happens to a lot of people. But the Holy Ghost gives you power. It's not you. It's His Spirit. Gives you power. And you will be a witness. A good one or a bad one. You will be a witness. Okay, I got to hurry. Music come. It teaches me. Guides me. Shows me things to come. John 14, 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost... Whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things. And bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said unto you. Howbeit, John 16. When, the, when he the spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear. That shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. This is what the Holy Ghost does for you. Say, I don't understand. I can't figure this out. I don't know what to do. Listen, let the power of his spirit work in your life. It will guide you, teach you, direct you in all things. That's what the Word says. I'm not telling you anything different than what the Word says. Well, Pastor, I don't know what to do. Find a place in prayer and get yourself in the Spirit. And the Spirit will let you know what to do. 
That's what the Word says. You might not get a direct fax or an email. But the Spirit will speak directly into your life. And you'll be at peace with what God wants you to do. Okay, we're coming down to the end here. It gives me power over the enemy. 1 John 4 and 4. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That is a powerful verse. That means you have authority over the enemy. I'm not talking about going and looking for devils. I'm just talking about when he shows up, don't give him one bit of space or room. Don't give him no time and don't listen to his lies. Just repeat what John wrote. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. No weapon that is formed against me shall prosper. The Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. That's speaking about the enemy. That's what the Holy Ghost will do for your life. It will raise up a standard against the enemy. Oh, man. Hmm. Everybody, everybody that doesn't have it, if you don't want it after today, you need to check your pulse. It completes the work of salvation in my heart. But you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ is none of his that's enough for me right there wherefore I give you to understand Paul writes in Corinthians that no man speaking by the spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost it brings you into a completeness of regeneration in salvation. Repentance is absolutely necessary. You can't receive the Spirit without repenting. He ain't going to put new wine into old bottles. He isn't going to take up residence in a dirty heart. So repentance is absolutely necessary. It'll lead you on to being baptized in Jesus' name, just as everyone in the Word was. We're having a baptism today, tonight. Thank God for it. Another one next week. It'll lead you to being baptized in His name. And folks, He'll just give you the power of his spirit he came to bring us life and life more abundantly 
He doesn't just want you to be alive. He wants you to thrive. He wants you to be on fire. He'll baptize you with Holy Ghost and with fire. Oh, stand this morning. At this very moment, where you're standing, nobody looking around, no one going in and out. At this very moment, it's time for us to repent. All across this room, everybody in this room right now, if you've received the Holy Ghost before, it's still a good time to repent. And if you've never received the Spirit before, with the evidence of speaking in another tongue, then now's the time to repent. And the repentance is a turning away from the past, a turning about face from the world, and say, God, I'm submitting myself to you right now, and I'm giving you my life, my heart. Everything about you, God, is what I desire. And God, everything that's in my life that's contrary to your word, I want you to take that out, God. I need your forgiveness, God, of everything I've ever done. God, that is against you or against your word. Everything that's contrary, God, to what you desire. I'm asking for forgiveness this morning. Would you do that all across this room right now? Oh, God, I submit my life to you. I give my heart to you afresh this morning. God, if there's anything in my life today that's not of you, I'm asking God for forgiveness. I'm asking you, Lord, this morning that you would forgive me of my sin. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a right spirit within me. Wash me, God. Purge me this morning. Let my life be clean. Let my life be clean before you, God. I pray, Jesus, Lord, this morning I can't do anything without your cleansing blood. And there is no remission of sin without your precious blood being washed over my life. So I'm asking you this morning, I'm asking you today, God, to forgive me of everything in my life. Oh, God, I pray for someone that has never prayed an attitude, a prayer of repentance or had an attitude of repentance before. God, that you would lead them, God, to to forgive them of their past. Hallelujah. Everything that would have held them hostage over God their lifetime. I'm praying this morning, God, that you would allow a good old-fashioned forgiving spirit and a power of repentance, God, to sweep across this room in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh God, I need you today. I need you this morning, Jesus. God, I need a fresh touch of your presence. Lord, I want to be touched with a fresh touch of your spirit this morning. I'm going to open this altar. Everybody that you, everybody in this uh, sanctuary this morning is welcome to come to this altar. But if you have never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost before and you'd like to receive it this morning, no one in this church can give it to you. 
You can't buy it. You can't earn it. You can't get good enough to get it. He just gives it to those who asked and who desires to be filled with His Spirit this morning. Amen. He will fill you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost this morning. If you desire, if you've never, ever before been filled with His Spirit, if it's been a long time since you've had a refreshing of the Holy Ghost, today's a good day. Today's a good day to be in His presence, to feel a refreshing of His Spirit. I feel the power of the Holy Ghost right now. So all across this room, I'm not here to embarrass anyone. But if there is anybody that would like to be touched by the power of His Spirit this morning, I encourage you to get out of your seat and come down to this altar. It's an act of faith. It's a step of faith. And as you make your way to this altar this morning, reach your hands toward heaven and just let God, hallelujah, touch you with His presence. People can be praying with you. Nobody has to be praying with you. Amen. The Spirit of God can touch you today. Let the power of the Holy Ghost, hallelujah, reach down and minister to you this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.